Today on the Relationship Revival Show, I have Allison Jane Ewing joining us. Allison Jane is a seasoned psychotherapist and EFT practitioner. After experiencing a divorce herself, Allison decided to focus on helping other midlife women find healthy, available single men who will love and adore them. She works using a powerful tool called EFT Tapping to have women clear all blocks to successful dating and open up to the excitement of falling in love again. Her recently published book, Find Love Again, Learn to Date Like a Goddess, is a guide to igniting your inner goddess and finding the man of your dreams. You're listening to the Relationship Revival Podcast with John DeBach, also known as Mr. Spirituality. That's me. I'm your host giving you insights and guidance from over 10 years in the field of this amazing journey we call romance. On this show, I go over everything you need to know about how to get into a relationship, how to get the most out of a relationship and sometimes even how to gracefully end a relationship without pulling your hair out and going crazy. And occasionally I'm even joined by new and old friends who are also relationship experts to bring you guidance and wisdom with new perspectives. Thanks for stopping by. Allison Jane, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to ask you a bunch of questions. So I am fascinated with EFT. So just, I know there, because it is a a show that so many people listen to for couples, counseling, relationship, advice, all that kind of stuff. I want to make a clear distinction. There's emotionally focused therapy, which is Dr. Sue Johnson's work uh, and her methodology, modality of teaching. And then this is a different one. This is the one people associate with tapping. And the EFT stands for, again, you told me, but I forgot. Emotional freedom technique. Emotional freedom technique. And it's like you literally, there's physical tapping that people do on their own face, different parts of their body that I assume has something kind of similar. And this is where you're going to just take off and kind of correct me. But, you know, I'm familiar with EMDR. So there is kind of that eye movement thing. But the idea is you're kind of reprogramming different neurological pathways in your brain. Is that the same idea with, uh, with with your practice with EFT? Yes, absolutely. They have a very similar effect on the body. They both put the body into this alpha brainwave state, um, which is sort of that relaxed brainwave state most people get into before bed or if you meditate or shavasana and yoga. So Mm -hmm. that sort of woozy feeling. And it's a very, it's it's like a hypnotic, it's a suggestible state. And so when you're in that state, you can easily reprogram your mind because you are more suggestible, A, But B, your body is not able to stay in its sympathetic nervous system, in its fight or flight um, state, because our our central nervous system has kind of an on-off switch. You're either in your sympathetic nervous system or your parasympathetic. And so with both of these mind-body techniques, when you engage the body in them, it very quickly moves you from your sympathetic state into your parasympathetic state, and it extinguishes the strong emotion, um, maybe the physiological reaction, fight or flight reaction to the body from talking about something or remembering something, thinking about something. So they both work in a similar way. Um, Just, I would say that EFT tapping is a little bit more self-help oriented because with the EMDR, you sort of need, um, you know, a certified a guide. Yeah. Yeah, guide and you need the tools, the actual little buzzers or, or whatever or lights or fingers or whatever they right. use. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. So what, 
I assume you didn't start with EFT. You kind of picked it up maybe kind of middle or closer to more recently along your career. What made you kind of discover it? And then how quickly did you realize, oh, this is going to be what I focus on? So actually, it's funny that you even brought up EMDR because <laughs> that is part of how it happened. I simply uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, 10 or so years into my career as a licensed clinical social worker, mm-hmm. I had recently left an agency-based job and was working on my own and doing a, a lot of consulting and training. And as you probably know, you need continuing education units yep. when you're in that situation. And I had kind of neglected to get them on my own because I was always used to my agency getting them for me. So to be perfectly honest, I got into the weeds and I needed about 26 hours in about six weeks. <laughs> so I thought, for people oh, don't boy. know, that's a lot. That's like a, that's a, that's like a seminar and a half where you just have to like nose to the grindstone the whole day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought, okay, clearly I have to get some kind of certification to cover these hours. And um, I knew I was interested in mind-body techniques at that point. I was already doing a lot of breath work and some yoga and things with the uh, kids on the psychiatric unit I had previously worked at. And so I decided, okay, I'm either going to get trained in EMDR or this EFT tapping thing I've heard about. Mm -hmm. And simply looking at what's the next Chicagoland area training, it happened to be EFT was coming and EMDR was not. So that was the first reason why I went there. But then some pretty miraculous things happened when I went. So on day one of getting to the training, I had about maybe two weeks before this training um, lost a dear friend of mine. And her name was Cindy, and she was from a town around here called um, Naperville outside of Chicago, and she had died of breast cancer. And as we were going around doing introductions in the room, I kid you not, there was a woman two rows in front of me that said, hi, my name is Cindy. I'm from Naperville, and I work with breast cancer survivors. Wow. And yeah, (laughs) I was pretty blown away. And I... I am a person who believes in, you know, signs from the universe and fate and all that stuff. Yeah, kind of point us on our path sometimes. Oh, and I forgot to mention that this Chicagoland area training actually happened to be in the suburbs a mile up the road from my house, too. Oh, that's in Chicago. That's kind of unheard of, right? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I would be trekking an hour downtown every day and it, it was right up the street. So just those two synchronicities right off the bat, I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And then we learned the technique. And they encouraged us to go home and practice at the end of the day. So my son at the time was seven years old and terribly afraid of the dark. And one of the things EFT works very quickly with is clearing phobias. So I went home and I decided, okay, I'm going to try this and I'm going to do this thing with him. And we started tapping on his fear of the dark. And with EFT, you want to tap on the thing you're working on and then test it. So you kind of put yourself either in your mind's eye or physically, if you can, back into the scenario to see, do you still feel the emotional reaction? And at Mm -hmm. first he was going into the dark and he was like, oh, I do feel different. I feel, you know, like I can't remember saying it in his little kid way, right? But then he went really far into my dark basement, came running out. He said, no, 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 I'm scared someone's going to pop out at me. So I went to the training the next day and I said to my teacher, hey, it didn't work. (laughs) You know, he was still scared. And she said, okay, in EFT tapping. Wait, so hold on. Before you continue, (laughs) 
there's an expectation that it'll work that fast though. Cause that's unheard of in other therapy modalities. So you were, you were so convinced by the training that it would, it should work within one 15 minute session with your son that you were like pissed essentially like, yeah. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> that is a good point. I mean, like if yeah. couples came into my practice and said, we want to fix everything in an hour, I'd be like, I'm not your guy. I mean, I can give you some tools, but I'm not like, I'm not going to make you the perfect husband in an hour or wife. Yeah. So, okay. So that's, I mean, it's important for people to realize that the speed is obviously a huge draw. Huge, huge, because she did kind of explain to me what I did wrong, which actually I'll get back to that in a second. But the interesting thing was she told me not what I did wrong, but something else I could try when I got sure, home. Sure. But the fascinating thing was I went home the next day. It was already dark and I could not find my son. And I was like, where is he? And I wander upstairs and he was alone in his room playing in the dark. The sun had set and he was playing. And that was a miracle because normally this is the kid that would tear downstairs as soon as the sun even started setting. Wow. He didn't even realize it was dark. He was never afraid of the dark again, ever. And now he's 16. He's 16. And he also lost his fear of the basement. So you know how a lot of kids just won't go in yeah. the basement even in the middle of the day? He used to be that kid no longer lost his fear of the basement. So even though he, it didn't feel like it worked right away, right away within 24 hours, it had worked. Wow. And since then I have cleared people's phobias in 15 minutes, many times, not everybody's phobia. It kind of depends on how many sort of attachments it has, sure, you know, sure. but I have definitely cleared some pretty light phobia, you know, someone who's afraid of a roller coaster or, or something elevators in, or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting. It, it's fascinating. Yeah. It honestly, it blows me away constantly. It also works really great on trauma. Yeah. And so you can take a traumatic memory and there's a process, a technique I use called tell the story where I have them tell the story and we stop at the different parts of the story that seem really emotionally intense where I can see physically mm -hmm. their body in fight or flight. We tap on that part of the story. They go back and they start telling it again. And it, eventually the goal is to get through the whole story feeling even and out of your fight or flight response. Mm -hmm. And it, it works miraculously. And so if it's a little trauma, you can do that in an hour. And I'm saying little meaning, you know, small maybe it was tea like trauma, right? A small T or, or even like a car accident. But if it was a single car accident, not a bit, you know, yeah. not a lot of stuff right. or previous incidents or whatever, um, we can clear that in an hour session. And people always say the same thing. They say, wow, it just feels like it's someone else's story. Now I can remember it, but my body doesn't get sweaty palms and tense and yeah. all the things, the heart rate up, you know, all those physiological responses are just gone. How long did it take you to get certified? Initially, I went through a four day training and mm -hmm. then there was a whole process after that. I had to go to an additional two days of training 
Um, I mean, it sounds like the best investment ever. It's not like 10 years. It's like (laughs) right. know, a couple of weeks and it's the, it's the, yeah, I, mean, I it lean on the most, me, you know, <laughs> it took me longer than that. It took me about maybe like 18 months to complete all the aspects, you know, all the pieces of the training, but, uh-huh. um, it was definitely worth it. And of course I was, you know, using it right away and I was testing it out with friends and family galore at first. Yeah. And, I kind of wish yeah. I had a fear so I could do it with you and people can hear what it sounds like, but I know I well, we could do it on something, um, even, I mean, when I do it with groups, when I'm introducing people, I oftentimes just have them do it either. Um, two of the things that are good examples is either physical pain, because we can release some of the emotional response to it, or um, just, I tell people, think of a time recently you felt irritated. Yeah. Okay. Let me, I, now I'm like, I'm going through each one of my four kids. I'm thinking like, was there a time that I lost my temper? I'm just, uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I got something. You got yeah. something? Okay. So just, um, I didn't even ask, is this okay? Are you open to doing this? Cause I'm kind of, I think yeah, it'd be cool yeah. for people to hear what it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So, um, on a scale of one to 10, how annoyed did you feel? About a five. Okay. And, um, can you just give me a quick sentence encapsulating the situation? Um, uh, one of my sons didn't want to do his homework and started yelling. Okay. All right. So, Normally I would show you the points first, but we'll just go through it and start tapping on the side of your hand. So you take your fingers for anyone who is listening and you will tap them against the fleshy side of your hand right below the knuckle of your pinky finger. Okay. And just repeat after me. We're going to say a statement here three times. It's going to be pairing the problem with some kind of statement of acceptance. And so just say, even though I was irritated with him for not doing his homework. Even though I was irritated with him for not doing his homework. And for yelling. And for yelling. I accept that I had that irritation. I accept that I had that irritation. Even though he did irritate me. Even though he did irritate me. For not doing his homework. For not doing his homework. And for yelling like that. And for yelling like that. I accept that I felt irritated. I accept that I feel or felt irritated. Even though when he did that. Even though when he did that. I felt irritated. I felt irritated. And thinking about it now. And thinking about it now. I still feel irritated. I still feel irritated. And I accept myself anyway. And I accept myself anyway. Even with my irritation. Even with my irritation. Okay. Now tap on the inside of your brows, right where your uh, like upper nose and eyebrows meet on the inside. Mm-hmm. And just say, but I was irritated. But I was irritated. Now go tapping to the outside of your eyes. I did feel irritated. I did feel irritated. Now tap right under your eye on the bony ridge below your pupil. I felt irritated. I felt irritated. I still feel it thinking about it. I still feel it thinking about it. Okay. Now go under the nose, right where the upper lip and nose meet. I still feel irritated. I still feel irritated. Go to the chin crease. Tap there and say, it was irritating. It was irritating. The next point, we call the collarbone, but it's actually below the bone. So go to the hollow of your um, neck and then go down about an inch and over about two. And there's a little dents. 
Yep, you looks right. You feel those? And tap there and just say, he irritated me. He irritated me. Next is under the arm. So right along the rib cage, about two inches maybe below your uh, armpit. He irritated me. He irritated me. And then the last point is the top of your head. And just tap on the crown point and say, he irritated me. He irritated me. And now stop and take a deep breath. Okay. And now just think back to the incident. He was yelling. You were irritated. How does it feel now? I mean, I don't remember feeling irritated now. <laughs> kind of, it feels like it's kind of erased. <laughs> That's exactly what happens. That's the freedom part of the emotional freedom technique because you become free from the emotion. And the theory is you actually collapse the neural pathway that was attaching the incident to your fight or flight. That was to your mm -hmm. midbrain, your hindbrain, your emotion brain. And now you have a new neural pathway that attaches it to your frontal lobe, your logic, reason, judgment part of your brain. And so you still remember it, but you just don't have that emotional reaction. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And what are all the different points that you're tapping on? So they are actually all meridian endpoints from Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And people ask me, it's probably the number one question I get is, well, can I just tap anywhere on my body or couldn't I just be thinking about it and it would work? And they've done lots and lots of research that says, no, that's not the case. It is actually these points that do have the effect. They've done EEGs. That, that's how we know people go into that alpha brainwave state quickly. They've done saliva and blood tests pre and post. Your stress hormone cortisol level drops way down. There's some really new interesting research about um, the immune boosting effects of this work and uh, uh, some epigenetic stuff looking at you know, it, it's actually turning on some sort of good genes, if you will, and turning off some bad genes and these kinds. Of, it's really fascinating what they're finding um, through the research that's being done. And so why exactly these meridian endpoints have this effect? That's we don't totally know. We just know that they create this relaxation response in the body. And then when you pair this relaxation response with it's basically sort of a traditional uh, exposure therapy from psychology. Yeah. Yeah. You extinguish the emotion behind it and you reprogram the mind. And I can just tell you from my own personal experience of having done this now for almost a decade and used it regularly on myself, I am a really different person. I mean, yeah. I, for instance, like I used to be reactive with my kids and, you know, yell at them and stuff. I mean, it is so rare that I've yelled at my kids in the last, I don't know, six or seven years. It just, it just, it just chilled me out. <laughs> sort of overall chilled me out. So really interesting. Yeah. And, and it also actually kind of led to the work I'm doing today because I was doing it with clients one-on-one -on -one, and then I myself experienced a divorce. And when mm -hmm. I went through that process of getting divorced and then going out in the dating world and dating again and just realizing how much emotional, you know, trauma that can cause, how much emotional baggage gets triggered, childhood wounds and all this. And I have just used tapping galore through my own process. And that really inspired me to want to write a book for women who are single again at midlife and dating. And 
it's a book that really relies a lot on my sort of knowledge as a psychotherapist and what I learned via that, but also what I learned via my own experience dating at midlife. Mm-hmm. But every chapter I have a tapping script in there. So I teach some kind of mindset shift about how to date like a goddess is the, mm-hmm. right from the name of the book. Well, the title um, of the book is find love again, learn to date like a goddess, right? Yes, exactly. And so I teach these mindset shifts of how to sort of embody that higher vibe goddess energy, which is a woman who isn't willing to settle, who isn't going to make maybe some of the same mistakes that have been made in the past. And, Um, put up with bad behavior from a partner, that kind of thing. But what I think is so powerful is that you can, you can learn these lessons, but not always really embody them and, and have them create change in your life, right? You can kind of get insight, but still do the same old behavior. Whereas once you tap on it, it becomes transformative because now you've created these new neural pathways. So with every lesson I teach, if you do the tapping scripts, you are going to experience a lot of transformative change by the end of the book. And so it's, if you have, well, let's take it in two parts. So if you're, if you're dealing with a bigger trauma, I assume that you're going to probably dissect the trauma into little pieces and tap for different aspects. Is that kind of the process or, you know, like, cause you, cause you say there's different chapters. So I'm trying to think like there's a tapping script at the end of each chapter. So are you approaching different issues in each chapter? Is that what that is? Yes. Um, I would back up though and say, if it's a really big trauma, like a re- uh-huh. like an actual trauma, I highly recommend working with a practitioner because yeah. it, you know, you, you can go into overwhelm. You can open up too much. You can go into a dissociative state, dissociative state. And so I would say if it's big trauma, you don't want to tackle that on your own. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a practitioner, like even some of, I mean, I haven't had big traumas, but I've had some little T traumas and I regularly work with a practitioner um, who helps me with those. And so I just recommend that for anybody. But in terms of- The practitioner's role in that sense is if it gets too intense to kind of figure out how to navigate that, is that, am I kind of- Yeah, exactly. And how to break it down into some of, like you were saying, those little chunks that are more manageable. And, you know, sometimes if I'm working with someone on a, a traumatic memory, sometimes we can't even just start tapping right away on the traumatic memory. I mean, I often have them tell me if your memory was a movie running behind a movie screen with the curtains closed- how far do you need to be to start this work? Do you need to be in the back of the theater? Do you need to be out in the hall? Do you need to be on the street outside? Do you need to be up on the moon? And and I have had some people say, you know, I need to be on the moon or I need to be in the next town over. So we actually just tap on that, even though <laughs> I need to be up here on the moon while my movie is filming there. And so we just tap until you sort of basically tap on the fear of tapping on the trauma if that makes sense. So you clear the fear of even processing it first. And that is something I just don't think people could do on their own, or they could easily go into overwhelm on their own. So I I have the analogy of the difference between sort of going to the dentist and brushing your teeth with tapping. You know, it's like you brush your teeth every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think tapping can work the same. You can work on it like we did in your example, little irritations, you know, it's great for if you're um, 
stuck in traffic and you literally can't go anywhere and you can't do anything and you're getting frustrated and your you know nervous system is getting ramped up, you can tap on that. Or if you're venting to a friend on the phone, it's a great time to just start tapping because you're going to clear stuff while you're doing that in the shower. You know, we ruminate a lot in the shower, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. So clearing these smaller things on your own can work well. And then when you really come up against something that maybe either isn't clearing on your own or feels bigger, you know, seeking out a practitioner to do that work. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What so since, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, so the question you had asked about how it works in the book is just like, for example, one of the mm -hmm. chapters is about how um, most women, I think particularly at midlife feel like there's this, have this limiting belief that there's no good men left out there. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you believe that, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, you're going to see that. And that is what you're going to find over and over. And so the tapping script that I have at the end of that chapter is basically to bust that fear and that negativity behind that belief, because it's, it's not actually true that there's no good men out there. I mean, that is not a fact, right? So, but if you believe it to be a fact, then you're going to act and operate um, in a way, and you're actually only going to see men acting like jerks or whatever it is, if that's what you believe to be, you know, what reality is. And most women, the reason that they feel that there's no good men out there is just because honestly, they're scared, right? They're just afraid that there's no good men out there. So if we can clear the fear and clear that negativity with the tapping, suddenly they can start seeing different men. Would you say that that's the most common struggle that women have dating in midlife is that mindset that there just aren't good men available? I think that's a really big one. And it's so fascinating how reinforced I've seen that by society in general. Sure. And, you know, I, I've had many friends say, wow, this is actually partly why I wrote the book. They were like, wow, you're, you were like my only cheerleader about dating again. Everybody else was like, oh God, that sounds awful. You know, their friends and families like, oh, the worst thing has to be that you have to date again. So I think there's a lot of that that's just sort of in our culture that says it's going to be this terrible experience. And then yeah. of course, I think there's just a lot of, you know, if you have your own insecurities and your own fears about not being lovable, um, not being chosen, those kinds of things, which each one of those is a chapter in my book. Um, then if you have those feelings embedded in you, you're going to also dread dating or be afraid of dating. Or what I think is worst of all is settling for, you know, someone who doesn't treat you very well. Yeah. Or yeah. even honestly settling to be alone. I think some people, some women had been life just give up, just throw in the towel and say, it's never going to happen for me. Right. Until and, they until they get to a crying fit with maybe a bucket of Hagen Dazs and they go, but I do want somebody. Right. I've had those. I've had those clients too. It's yeah. so funny you brought something up, and I maybe you could kind of give me your feedback. I kind of tell people that being alone is a lot like being depressed in that it's addictive. You don't have to do anything. It's effortless in a sense. It feels yeah. horrible, but it's effortless and it's always there. It's super reliable. You can never get away from yourself. So because of that comfort, everybody just goes, okay, well, I guess I'll be alone. And you, and you trick yourself into thinking, 
you can get used to it. This is just the way it is because you figure at least it'll always be there. It's the one thing that won't abandon you, right? Yourself. Yeah. 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 But it's like, that's just a bad way to think of it. I tell people that's a bad road. You don't want to go down that road. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's really interesting, right? Because I do think something has happened in recent years where there's almost so much focus on you've got to just learn to love yourself and learn to be okay with being alone and so on and so forth. And that almost in a weird way, that's become, it's almost like become shameful if you're, if you don't want to do that. And so, and, and then there's also this, this feeling that I get from a lot of women who are like just saying like, well, it's okay. You know, it's almost, this is, this is the healthier way is being alone. Yeah. And so the the research is is so, is so against that. I mean, the one stat I keep telling people actually comes from the other EFT book from Sue Johnson's book. I forget which, which study she's, she cites, but she always, you know, the one she opens with is that being alone is more physically detrimental to your health than smoking. So it's like, not just emotionally, physically, like it has real effects. Right. So I, yeah, I think it comes from a good place. I think the idea of people saying that it's okay to be alone is like half the story. Cause I teach, especially when I'm dealing with divorcees, I'm like, look, it's not that you have to learn that being alone is okay. You have to fill your life so that you're happy as an individual because that attracts the partner, right? So it's like, it's, it's halfway there. Yes. You have to learn to enjoy and be, and like be filled with gratitude, but that doesn't mean you should be content with being alone. Part of the beauty of being a couple is you get to see the world through someone else's eyes and you get to explore the world. And that's not about being needy. That's about wanting to explore. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that there's, there is, it's that fine line. So people get so, I think someone along the lines got so pumped up about like the energy they felt when they were doing that part of the work where they're like, it's okay to be alone that they forgot to do the second step and it just spread like wildfire. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's, it's like, like, like you learn to be alone and water. with someone else. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. The pendulum swung a little too far. A little on too that far. Way. A little too far. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I know you have this learn to date like a goddess.com is that for your book or is that your your kind of your group eight-week course or is it both? Um, it's for both. And okay. I'm actually going to offer your listeners a little special treat. Oh, wow. That, <laughs> that if they go to my website, they can download a copy of my ebook for free. Oh, uh, nice. And check it out. Yeah. So it's learn to date like a goddess.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so tell, tell me a little bit about, and tell the listeners a little bit about the, the course and what that's like, cause it's eight yeah. weeks, it's online, but there, it's not like, it's not completely on your own. There's some components where you're, you're getting some support there, right? Right. Absolutely. So one of the things I'm really committed to is for anyone who joins the course that they do the course. <laughs> and, right. and it yes, there are some video components, but I do do weekly tapping circles with the women in the group. And the power of women coming together who all are struggling with the same kinds of issues is just really incredible because a lot of times what's blocking you from 
magnetically drawing in the love that you truly desire is some kind of subconscious programming that you don't realize is there. And so when you're trying to do your own tapping, if you're not aware that it's a problem, you're not tapping on it. But if you're in this group and another woman in the group brings it up and we all tap together, what you get is something well-researched in EFT called borrowed benefits. You start clearing your own stuff that you were not even aware of. So that's what I feel like is super powerful about the program that I have. And I will tell you the reason why I always say to people, download the book, check it out, see how it goes, because I had a very concrete example of a woman who read the book when it first came out and a week later had five dates with five different guys. And her therapist said to her, what happened in a week? Like you, you went from sitting on my couch for months saying there's no good men out there. I'm never going to find a guy. And you have five dates. And she said, yeah, actually I read my friend's book and I did this tapping and it really changed everything. And then a couple months later, there was sort of a backslide and, you know, she ended up going back into a relationship that wasn't wasn't a good fit for her the first time and it wasn't the second time either and she ended up kind of having a painful breakup from that and so it just sort of reinforced to me that yes i really think that the book is great and it can get you on the right track and for some people it might even be enough and for other people they're going to need some continued support and sure. so the the course takes it a little deeper, gets you a little more ingrained and definitely is going to clear out some of those bigger blocks that you might need some guidance around. And that's what I'm there for. Well, it sounds like beautiful work you're doing. I'm actually going to look into it. I was kind of, I, there's so much trauma that comes up in couples and it's the only thing I do. I only work with couples, but I started thinking, you know what? I can use a mind body kind of toolkit piece. So part of, part of interviewing was me being like selfishly doing research, <laughs> you know, of like, is this, cause everything is so virtual and it's like, yeah, you're right with EMDR, you need the light bar yeah. or they have to do the cross arms. But I've heard from people that it's not as effective as the light bar. And I was like, I don't you know. It's okay. So, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to look into this cause it sounds like it's kind of up my alley too. Yeah. Um, and I actually have someone, I think I can refer to you who's dealing with exactly what you specialize in. So I'm going to reach out. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. If you're interested in learning how to get the absolute most out of your romantic relationships, then you're in luck because I have put together a free workshop or masterclass, if you will, about three secrets that people in happy relationships have discovered. You can view the workshop at mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. Again, it's completely free. Just go there and watch it. It'll help you on your journey, give you some wisdom, some things to think about. The website again is mrspirituality.com slash three secrets. That's mrspirituality.com slash the number three, the word secrets. It's all yours. Enjoy. Enjoy.